doing this morning? Great. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, before I begin, I want to give you guys a little bit of a background in the sense that I thought I was going to be doing, you know, John gives me a topic, I guess. <laughs> well, he does. <laughs> and, and they're all good topics. And I circled around and circled around <clears throat> some, an idea that I thought that was the direction I was supposed to go. And then the Lord said, nah, try this. So I spent weeks looking at stuff and praying and studying. And about three days ago, the Lord said, nah, let's go this way. So in the last two nights, I, you know, have been praying and, and spending time. And so today is going to be a lot off the cuff, which is not in my comfort zone at all, just so you know. So you have an outline in your program in case I go sideways you at least go away with something that looks good, right? <laughs> you can go back to later. But anyway, we've been doing this series, I Believe in God, But. And what I came back to over and over and over again, and, and then finally, you know, when, when this was it, I realize the thing that I have struggled with, and I suspect that most of you have over your lifetime, once you became a Christian, is that you believe in God, but your life turned out differently. You thought it would go a different way than perhaps what you first started out thinking. In fact, on this title, if you look at your outline... You'll see right underneath, I put, I believe in God, but I thought my life would fill in the blank. I didn't think that would be a very good title to put online, you know. But if you stop and you think about it, you can name several different things probably, each one of you, areas of your life that you thought would turn out differently, right? With the high rate of divorce, you thought you'd be married to the first person you married. Maybe you thought the job that you have, you would be able to have your retirement, live a good life, relax. Maybe you thought, you know, your health would stay with you. There's just, it's a fill in the blank. Because any number one of situations or circumstances in our life that we thought were going to go a certain way or that we had all planned out for us ends up being very different if we look at our lives today. Now, for some of us, that's a good thing. Some of us are still undecided. And some of us are definitely shaking our heads going, I don't know what happened. Right? <laughs> Thank you. Somebody agrees. Well, in this thinking, I thought, you know, I started out with a dream that God gave me about doing ministry and about doing different things, a call, if you will. 
So in my mind, I had the right idea. Then I started doing things, doing ministry and doing different activities. So I had the right thing. So then, like I said earlier, I, I started planning things out. Okay, if I do A, and then I do B, then I'll be in C. Right? Makes sense. So I had the right direction. So I had the right idea, the right thing, and the right direction. That all sounds right, right? right. right. Yeah. But God has a way of changing our minds. He has a way of changing our lives that don't necessarily play out like we thought they were. We have an idealized plan. It's there in your outline. That's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. The reality plan is where you are now. God's plan is where he wants to take you. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about dreams. We're going to talk about detours and how some of it's a good thing. Now, I'm going a little bit off the cuff here. How many people, you know, when you're younger, you have teachers and grandparents and, and um, people in your life say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody remember? Anybody know? Okay, how many people are actually what they are? One person? Wow. Okay, you go, buddy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, what I wanted to be when I grew up was it was, I grew up in Dallas, and there was like this PBS channel type station. And there was this lady who, in a long, flowing white robe, was dancing ballet to a song called We Shall Behold Him. And I thought, that's it. I'm a little girl, and I'm thinking, I want to be on that stage, in that dress, dancing to We Shall Behold Him. I, I mean, it just totally captured me in my heart. So from the time that I was five years old until I was about 17 years old, I spent Days, weeks, months, years, hours, dancing, practicing, and performing. And you know what? I had a little bit of success in it. And you know, with dreams or with a call, anytime we get a little bit of success, we think, okay, yeah, I've got the right thing. I've got the right idea. I've got the right direction. But things started going south real quickly. And so my direction changed. So then I get to my teenage years, and, you know, girls in their teenage years, they start thinking about things like getting married. And they're doodling their name, Mrs. <laughs> yeah. And then I became involved in this youth group. And I was having a great time. I, I really felt like I'd found my niche and, and had a lot of friends. And then one of the groupings in my group got engaged. I 
thought, oh, yeah, this is cool. Well, little did I know that the, uh, one of my friends who was, I was hanging out in a group, within a group, asked me to marry him. So I was 18. And, you know, being part of a youth leader, it wasn't just about saying, this is such and such. It was, you know what? Yeah, I could be married to a pastor. That's how I could do ministry. I'll marry a pastor, and then I'll get to do things for God and for people. And Yeah, that sounds right. Again, not a bad idea. Kind of sounded like a right idea. Kind of like a right path, right? Well, I won't tell you all the circumstances, but essentially at some point I thought, maybe this isn't the way I'm supposed to do it. Something about it wasn't it. And I think God changed my heart and opened my eyes at that time and gave me a detour. So then, years down the road, I am watching TV again because there's not a whole lot to do in Dallas if you're not, you know, real handy and that sort of thing. But anyway... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you drive around a lot, but um, I saw, I don't know if many of you have seen Marilyn Hickey. Anybody know who she is? Okay. I saw Marilyn Hickey on, on TV, and here I was again, and I'm going, that's it. I want to be like her. <laughs> She's got the right ministry. She's saying the right things. She's doing it. And at the time, I honestly, it was not about a woman doing ministry. It was just that her kind of ministry is what really attracted me. And I thought, okay. So without a whole lot of forethought, I basically applied, I got accepted, I went down and moved to Denver. And my, my parents literally did a 24-hour, get me there, find me a place to stay, and turn around and leave. I was 19 and a half years old, living in a new city, New people, they don't like Texans down there, by the way, or up there, I should say. It was up there from Texas. Um, You know, got involved as she had a Bible college at the time. Well, again, right idea. I'm thinking now I've really got the right direction. And things happen. And now I'm here. Now, I'm skipping a whole bunch of years (laughs) for the sake of time (laughs) between then and now. But you get the point, right? Sometimes the right thing really isn't the right thing. And sometimes that dream and that call, there's essence of it that God is working out in our lives, right? So do we have that slide from Mulholland? You know, part of what we're talking about today is that gap, and John mentioned it as a gap, so I'm going to describe it the same way, in that we believe in God, okay? But that belief in something, somehow there's a disconnect or something happens where our experience 
doesn't live up to what we thought about God or what we believed from God, something happened in between. There's a gap. And so, even though dreams are wonderful and callings and, and everything are wonderful, we have this stuff that happens to us that takes us down a different path or a different detour, a different road. And because of our bad experiences, we begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt ourselves. We begin to want to, want to, we want to put blame somewhere, somehow. You know, this person did this to me, and so I did this, and then, you know, a domino effect. Well, I think what God is trying to do is bring us through a journey, not just a destination. And in that journey, which is what I'm talking about today as well, it's more than us just using the right idea, the right thing, or the right direction, and trying to fit it in how and where we think it's going to work. Sometimes we think, because we're so Americanized, that success is everything. It's not. Mother Teresa, when asked if she was discouraged, said, you know what? God didn't give me a ministry of success. He gave me a ministry of mercy. So this quote I found from Robert Mulholland says, Our spiritual journey is not our setting out by gathering information and applying it correctly to find God as an object out there to be grasped and controlled by us. It is a journey of learning to yield ourselves to God and discovering where God will take us where God will take us. Now, like I said, dreams are a good thing. Um, excuse me for a second. In fact, dreams and visions, calling are mentioned over 50 times in the Bible. You know, when we think of dreams, we think, you, could, you know, they, it's God's way of communicating to us. It's just one way he communicates to us. It can be something about destiny. It could be something about a business idea. It could be ministering to a need that you have in your heart. It's promises. So when we think of a detour, you know, usually when you're going on the highway and you see a detour, it's because you can't go that way. There, it, the road is under construction. Right? Well, it's a good thing normally that it's under construction because that means there was something broken in it, right? And God is trying to take us a safe way. He is trying to redirect us, reorient us to what he has for us. So detours aren't a bad thing. They change our direction. They change our path that they can affect the total outcome. Instead of just doing the right thing or the good thing, God wants to have the best thing for us, the better thing. 
But we live life from a broken point of view. And when we operate from a broken point of view or destructive behaviors, then we shipwreck our faith. What God does sometimes in these detours is to work out those things that will hinder us, that will keep us from getting where he wants to take us to go. Is it fun? Not necessarily. Is it pleasant? Not always. But he does that because he loves us. Because of his great compassion for us, he will not leave us that way. He will not leave us broken and shattered. Because he's a God about wholeness and restoration. So when we do these detours, because we're looking at a broken point of view, sometimes when things are happening that don't match up and and take us away from what we thought was the goal, we think that the Lord has abandoned us. I put two examples in your outline. Moses, Lord, why have you brought trouble on your people? Why is it that you have sent me? Now, this particular passage is where he's already gotten his call from God. So he's got the right idea. He's already been told where to go, so he's got the right direction. He's just not sure about the ministry part yet, so he's working that out. But he goes and he appears to the elders, the the Israelites, and they're enslaved in, in Egypt. And he presents himself and says, you know, the God of your father's has sent me to you, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he wants to deliver you. Well, the leaders are all excited. This is great. Yeah, go ahead. Go before Pharaoh. So he gets in front of Pharaoh and says, hey, you know what? Our people need to be able to go into the desert so we can worship our God for three days. That's his first plan. Yeah, we're, we're just going to take a little siesta for the weekend, go have a party, get together, a little family reunion out in the desert for three days. Pharaoh says, what? No, don't think so. And because you've made this request, because you have so much time on your hands that you could go away for the weekend, I'm going to take your straw away from you. You see, they made Strix bricks with straw and mortar, or straw and mud. But Pharaoh supplied all the straw for them. So Pharaoh says, you know what? Since you're so lazy, I'm going to make you go get your own straw. And so things got worse before they got better for Moses. Because now not only is Pharaoh upset with Moses, but so are all the Israelite people. Because he has just doubled their workload. He's basically killing them. Go on to the next person, Naomi. Naomi, in the first chapter of Ruth, you find out that she's happy. She's married to Elimelech, I believe is his name. And she has two boys. They're in Moab. Life is great. Life is not so great within the first few verses. Elimelech dies. A couple months later, her two sons die. It is a famine in the region. Things go bad quickly in the Bible. I don't know why that is, but it just, downhill. (laughs) 
So she picks up and says, you know what, I'm going to go back home because she heard that there was food and God was providing for the Israelite people back in Bethlehem. She, um, you know the story, basically, she has the two daughter-in-laws, one stays, Orpha stays, Ruth says, I want to be with you, I want your God to be my God, and so forth, and they go into Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem, the people of Bethlehem receive Naomi, and when they're asking about her, she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitterness. And look what she says here. She says, I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Life went bad in a real hurry for her. She was bitter about it. But if you've read Ruth and you know the whole story, this major detour in her life yielded her in the family line of Christ the Messiah which never would have happened if this detour hadn't happened in her life. You know, we talk about, um, I've got in there holding out and holding on. Sometimes we think that God is holding out on us when things don't happen our way. You know, especially if you're living paycheck to paycheck and and, and you're just trying to make ends meet, And you're going, you know, God, it says in your word, you're the source. Where is it? And that paycheck doesn't come? Well, God, you're in control. You've got this. I know you do. But don't, inside, don't you, don't you just like a little bit of this? You're like, God. You've got the whole universe in your hands. I'm just asking for a paycheck. (laughs) Please. Right? And sometimes when we have dreams or the calling, that sort of thing, we hold on too long even though it's dead. Whoa. Got real quiet. (laughs) It's true. Sometimes we claw our way to the door thinking that this is the right direction. I'm sure of it. He told me this is it. And your family has been destroyed. Your work life has been destroyed. Instead of being obedient, You made sacrifices, and those sacrifices cost you every step of the way until there was nothing left. It's happened. In one form or another, it has happened to different areas of our life. And so we hold out, and we hold on. And one of the ways we hold out, and I can say this in all honesty, because I've done it, is we think because we know there's a goal And God has said, you know, I'm going to take you there. So you think, you know what? I'm going to save myself for that. I'm going to pull back the reins. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to preserve what I have because I've got to make it until I get there. Well, that sounds like a safety move to me. It's a security move. But not 
it's not necessarily the move God wants you to make because God's a risky guy. God does the unthinkable, the unmanageable. Sometimes when we think that things are being held up, we don't see God at work. And so then, you know, comes that doubt again, like, well, you know, because it's good to test all things according to Scripture. It's good to do those things. But when we don't see God at work, it, it, it stops us in our tracks, and we're thinking, well, what do I do here? It says in his word, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when you've been given a promise, and you hold on to it, and you, you wrestle with it, and you preserve it, and you, you cherish it like Mary cherished the word in her heart about all the things that were happening to her when she was pregnant with Jesus. Sometimes, our waiting is what kills us. It's hard to wait. <laughs> it's hard to wait. My kids find it hard to wait when there's a new Xbox game out, you know. They've already ordered it online, and it's going to be shipped to the house, and I just saw the commercial for the first time on TV. You know, it's hard for us to wait. We're not people that wait. Sometimes waiting happens, and we don't, and we don't get that answer because the enemy has delayed it. We know that from reading Daniel. He's, and when Daniel is praying, it was, it was some time, and then an angel comes to him to give him the word of the Lord, and the angel says to him, from the first time you spoke and humbled yourself before the Lord, I was on my way. So see, God's at work, even though we don't see God at work. He is on the, behind the scenes doing things. Which leads me into my next thing about discovering the journey. Because you know that behind the scenes, and we don't know the whole picture or the big picture that God's doing. You know, we talked about how the word is a seed. So that promise, that, that dream, that call starts in us as a seed. But as everybody knows, the seed has to go in the ground where it's not seen. That means it has to take root in our heart before anything starts happening. Gestation is the period of time between when that seed dies in the ground and when there's actually a plant above the ground. And depending on the seed, there, the, the time length varies. But the important thing with that seed, too, that you should know about, is that seed actually has to die before growth comes out of it. And that's kind of what Mulholland is talking about. We have to totally surrender ourselves. We have to surrender our relationship. Sometimes... What we do is we have a relationship with God, but we're still in control of it. We don't let God be in control of our relationship to God. And you're like, well, how can that be? Well, how's your prayer life? When you pray, how do you pray? Are you asking God to follow you in what you're doing? 
Lord, bless this thing over here that I'm doing. I'm about to enter in here. Do something. Or are you following him? Lord, what do you want? Where do you want me to go? That seed has to die. And that, that possession, you know, we take hold of something and it becomes ours. Back in 2006 was a crazy time period for, for me and my family. I had just started, I had quit a job. I was an office manager for a, a dentist. And because I felt like the Lord wanted me to go through VLI, uh, Vineyard Learning Institute. So I did that. And I was really feeling the call that, and that you know, I, I want you to go into ministry. I want you to start preparing yourself. So not only did I do VLI, but at the same time, that's when children's ministry kind of opened the door, and I, I ended up becoming the children's ministry director here. Um, came on staff, and also started, uh, the lady that was running the food pantry, they all of a sudden had to get up, and they were moving. So, and my husband, my family, and I, once a month, we were coming, and we were packing, and doing stuff, and I thought, you know, this is a great little family thing, I'm teaching my boys, and it's all good, right? It was a great thing. And I ended up taking that. So I was doing BLI, I was doing children's ministry, I was on staff, and I was doing the food pantry, as well as having a family with four boys. Okay, so you're, you, you're seeing the plan here, right? Well, let me just tell you that... Oh, and I forgot to mention too, <clears throat> that Steve's dad was going through cancer at the time. <coughs> His dad lived in Denver. So, excuse me. <coughs> Not only while all this was going on, but Steve every intermittently would get up and fly to Denver because his dad was having treatments or his dad had taken a turn for the worse. And his dad fought melanoma cancer for, I think, eight, ten years, something like that. So all this was going on. <clears throat> and, but I thought this was, this was good. You know, I'm doing, it, it was my stuff. And I don't know how to ex describe it other than, you know, when somebody <clears throat> said, do you need this or do you need that? I said, oh, that's mine. I can take care of that for you. And I would. Or somebody would need something over here. And, you know, Lisa, do we have anybody for that? Well, no, but I'll do it. I just, I made myself available to absolutely every little thing that crossed my path. Because I thought God wanted me to take care of it. He's put me here, fill in the gaps. So that's what I was doing. <clears throat> and he stopped me like with a screeching halt at some point with my health. What people don't know then, or some of you do that were here, is that <clears throat> I had a disc that started going out. 
And I was in so much pain that I was on 2,000 milligrams of Vicodin. I was on a muscle relaxer and some other kind of nerve medicine because I was having pain shooting down my sciatic all the way down and my feet were going numb and I could, there were times where we come into service and I'd sit down and I couldn't even get back up. I was in so much pain. And all the medicine did was mask it. And I'd gone to physical therapy. I'd done everything the doctors had told me to do. <clears throat> and I'll never forget it. I was um, at home, and the, the boys had just gone off to school. And all I had done was the trash bin out front at the sidewalk had been empty. So I go to take the trash can and pull it up inside. I walk inside and literally, bam, fell down on the ground. I could not get up. It felt like somebody had stuck a knife in my hip. I thought I broke my hip. I'm like, how do I break my hip? You know, I'm, I, I literally, my, I just, pain, and like I, I felt like I, I couldn't move from my neck down. Well, Steve was out of town in Denver. The kids were at school. His sister had gone out of town with him. I, I, I didn't have really anybody to call. And uh, my parents were in town, but I don't have a, didn't have a great relationship with my parents. And we had just gotten a new puppy, and the puppy's chewing the rug. And I can't even, I'm down on the ground, and the puppy's chewing. And I'm like, no, stop it, stop it. Well, luckily, I had a cell phone, so I call Steve. I didn't know who else to call. He's in Denver. I don't know what Steve was going to do for me. But, you know, I'm in a panic. And I'm like, I'm falling and I can't get up. <laughs> this, yeah, it shouldn't be happening, right? And he's worried and concerned. He's like, but, hon, you got to call somebody else. <laughs> I can't come and get you. <laughs> So I called my dad, who was working in Plain City. He walks in the door, and, and he just, I'm literally in the front entryway, all sprawled out. And he's like, can you move? Well, no, that's why I called you. <laughs> and he's like, well, we're going to have to call an ambulance. I'm like, oh, really? <clears throat> so the ambulance comes, and, and that sort of thing. To make a long story somewhat shorter, <laughs> um, my, I ended up having to have surgery. And they went in thinking they were going to fix the disc, and the disc literally disintegrated. So there was nothing he could put in there, nothing he could do. He just basically cleaned it out and sewed me back up. So it was then that I realized, you know, <laughs> maybe I need to st start letting go of some things. Now, I'll tell you for a fact that I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't. It took me from 2006 to... Uh, when did I do the church planning residency program? Maybe 2011? Until I started letting go of things. And, still, and, 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 and when I said, you know what, Lord, this is your ministry, not mine. 
If I don't do it, you will raise up somebody else that will. And that's what he did. Melanie Bonetta is rocking it, doing children's ministry, folks. And food pantry, whole different direction, and is doing quadruple the amount of people serving the Muslim refugees and doing, going further and farther beyond what we ever had the food pantry at. So my good was not God's best because I had control of it. But it's a journey. We gotta walk these things out. I held on to things because I was an A-type personality and, and I had learned through my broken relationship of, of growing up that the only person I could depend on was me. And so that's how I proceeded to do ministry was to do it because I thought I was the only one responsible. When nobody else would step up, I thought, okay, it's, it's got to be me. When you operate out of that brokenness, then the things that you're doing, God can bless. There's grace for you because God knows your heart, but it won't be the best that God has. And at that best doesn't come until we surrender and give it back to him. The rest of that Proverbs that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, says, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. And the Lord, that thing he started in you, he doesn't necessarily totally abandon it. It's just worked out in a different way until he brings wholeness to different areas and he reorients you and redirects you. I've got another quote from Mulholland here. It says, the journey of faith, the path to spiritual wholeness lies in our increasingly faithful response to the one whose purposes shape our path, whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from the crippling bondages of our previous journey, and whose transforming presence meets us at the turn of the road. We need to let the Holy Spirit blow us in the direction of God's path. We need to release possession of those old right things, the right idea, the right thing, the right direction, and give that back to God. 